First Samuel 16 and verse 1 is where we're going today. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, saying, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear, if Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him who I name unto thee. Read verse 13, if you'd jump down. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Would you also turn to Ephesians 6 and verse 13 in your Bibles if you have it? If not, you can read along with us on the screen. Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you for your patience. Ephesians chapter 6 is an interesting passage of scripture. Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus. And I'm going to link the two together today as I preach on Stay Standing. This is a great story, um, one that is very popular in Scripture. How many know the story of King David? You've read it, you've seen it, you've heard it. Um, maybe you even studied it some yourself. I want you to notice some things with me about this story. And number one is that we are not to linger in the places God has left. I'll say that again just in case you wanted to write something down. We're not supposed to linger in the place where God has left. He said, why are you mourning over Saul? Because Saul has been rejected. And so what we see here is we see Samuel worried about what Saul's opinion is on who God wants to anoint next. And so he rejects Saul, but not only that, Samuel is afraid to go anoint the next king. We have... Um, we have a, a man of God that's worried about what men what a man might think. And so what God does is he doesn't he doesn't just rebuke him for his fear. What God does is, is he says, here's what you're gonna do. I know Saul is still king and he has kingly rights, but I've rejected him. So here's what you're gonna do. You're going to go and you're going to make sacrifice unto the Lord. How many know sometimes you get sent someplace to do something and you find out you're there to do something completely different? Has anybody ever been in that position before where God sends you to do something and you feel like you're going to help somebody, but you find out that while you're trying to help them, God ends up helping you. Anybody been in that position? I'm grateful for a God who knows how to not only work with the one that's trying to give, but work with the one that's uh, receiving. And so what I did here was I began to study the scripture and I found out there's a couple of key points that take place here. Number one is he sends him to a very strange place called Bethlehem. Anybody heard of the place called Bethlehem before? Any significance in your mind of the place called Bethlehem? That is where Jesus was born, amen? 
So we find out that the scripture, even in the prophets, they say, can any good thing come out of Bethlehem? But the truth is, there were great things that came out of Bethlehem because there was a King David that was anointed in Bethlehem and Jesus would be of the line in the tribe of Judah, passed down from David, as also the son of David. So we know that Bethlehem was a very key place, even though people did not recognize it as an important place. I want you to know today that, that I have found places in my life that I would have thought were not very important, just a, a moment to live through, maybe a struggle to get through. But I found out now looking back that there are very interesting places, even unlikely places where God will give me strength, places where I would have, would have not thought that God would give me strength, but he chose an unlikely place where he could give an anointing and a blessing in my life. Anybody been there? where your anointing might come from a situation or a circumstances you did not understand. Anointing just means the blessing of God or the favor of God or the Holy Spirit falling on a person. That's, a, that's called anointing of God. And so when we talk about anointing in this Old Testament here, they actually did a procedure of anointing with oil. They would take oil and they would pour it over the head of the person that was being anointed. But there was one very important key factor when they did anointing. They would take an entire horn of oil. Everyone say, that's a mess. That was a messy moment, I promise you that. Because they would take an entire horn of oil and they would pour it over the person. And that person would often keep the garments that they were anointed in. And they would go back and they would see those garments again to remind themselves or, or keep them in a very special place to remind themselves of the moment that they were anointed of God. And they would take on that smell of oil and that oil would stay in those garments. And so there was something about the fact that when God anoints you, he anoints you not only from the top of your head but the bottom to your but to the bottom of your feet and everything in between they wanted a, an experience that when God anoints somebody with physical oil as they re represented God's anointing they wanted it to touch not only the head of the person but they wanted it to run all the way down the garments and down to the ground of the person so that the person would know that all of me belongs to God. All of my life is his to use. Everything of me, my mind, my body, my soul, my strength is now anointed and separated and chosen by God. And so they would use this procedure of anointing that God ordained in scripture as a way of saying, now you are called and set apart consecrated unto God. The word consecrated is an Old Testament word that means holy or sanctification. Sanctification is a word that means to set apart, to set aside or, or to called out, be called out from. Scripture in the New Testament said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. It's the same use of the words. In other words, the Bible doesn't call us to separate ourselves from the world just to be a happy little Jesus club. The Bible doesn't call us to separate ourselves from the sin and the nature and the cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan spirit and the spirit of, our, of the age just so that we can say, look how holy we are and how righteous we are. God calls us to separate ourselves not just from something, but to something. In other words, the major calling of Scripture is that we are set aside or consecrated by the power of the Holy Ghost when it anoints us and it fills us and we begin to have that utterance 
utterance of another language and spirit and the gift of the Holy Ghost can come. We know that God is setting us apart, not because we are so much better than anybody else, but because we have a knowledge that he wants to be in our life. He wants to fill us with his spirit. He wants to be close to us. And we're not just set apart from the world. We're set apart to God. So we don't have to spend our life telling everybody what we stand against. But we spend our life telling everybody what we stand for. I stand for the love of God. I stand for truth. I stand for the power of God in my life. I stand for a relationship of purity and holiness. I stand for religious, for, for relationship over religion. I stand for things that matter most. And I stand for the important things. Because that is what God wants me to do. Interesting that we find that standing in scripture is a position of honor. A position of honor. Is it any wonder that today in our world standing is being attacked? Well, I wish, I know people have their fifth amendment rights and the right, the freedom of speech, but I wish they'd leave the national anthem alone. Hello, somebody. It could get quiet here for a minute because I'm talking about stay standing. And while people are attacking certain things and saying it's not disrespectful, the fact is that the position of standing is an honorable position. When someone of honor walks in the room, you don't just stay seated. When the president walked in, you don't stay seated. Whether you like him or not, I'm not here to judge whether he's doing a good job or if he's crazy or out of his mind. I'm not interested in talking about that. I'm interested in telling you that if, if there's a president that walks in here, the respectful thing to do is to stand. If a king or queen walks in, the respectful thing to do is... So when we come to church and we start worship, you may like to sit when you worship. You may have a physical need to sit when you worship. I don't have a problem with that. But I want you to know that when you start serving God and he walks in a room when we're lifting our hands and we're worshiping him, the king of kings and the Lord of lords just walked in. And I don't mind standing to two, three, four songs, five songs. I'll stand while we pray in between songs. I'll stand whenever the worship of God comes forward from a band because I know that we're leading God we're leading the people into worship and that is a place of honor because God shows up and where his presence is I feel I should be standing when I'm in his presence and so it's the posture of honor and while people kneel saying they're not disrespecting the flag or those that fought for it they have their right to say what they want to say but let me just say because I'm not a political preacher let me just say this. I can have the right to do something and still do it the wrong way. Just because you have a right to doesn't mean it's right. I have the freedom of speech. I could cuss Carla up and down one side and, and say that I have the freedom of speech, but I'm still disrespecting her by the things I said. You have to understand that disrespect is not just because you say you're not disrespecting. Disrespect is because of the position that you take on something. And I'm not going to stand and say that people don't have the right to peaceful protest. They do under constitutional rights. But don't tell me that you're not dishonoring the flag of the United States when you won't stand in the presence of an anthem that says, this is our flag and this is our nation and this is what we fight for. That may seem like a very political statement, and I apologize for that, but I want you to know that standing has always been important. 
Look at the scriptures with me if you would. Samuel is here anointing somebody for the use of the kingdom. In verse 11, we see a very important passage of scripture. Would you read for us verse 11 uh, for us in in Samuel chapter 16? You know where I'm going. Verse 11, thank you. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he comes. Whoa, 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 whoa. We will not? Sit down. What does it matter whether they're sitting waiting on David or whether they're standing? Jesse knew something. He said, We will not sit down until he come hither. In other words, when a king is expected to come back, the position you're supposed to take is stand. When the king is expected to come back, how many know that Jesus is returning for his church? How many know that the position of the church should not be sitting down? We ought to be taking a stand for the things that are most important. And we ought, we ought, ought not get lazy or lackadaisical, but we should have a position where we say, I'm going to stand for something even if nobody else will stand for it. Because my king is coming back, Amen. And so Jesse knows something that maybe the family didn't know. And so he communicates to them, this is not a time to take on a position of laziness or, or sitting back or relaxing. This is not a time to do, to do things that make you feel comfortable. This is a time to do things that make you cause or make you have need to stand for something. And, and I want you to know that this week has been that kind of week. I was preparing this message and I knew that I was going to have to live this message this week week and whenever I got to Saturday I was I was just excited about the fact that God had allowed me to go through something so maybe I can communicate it to you but on Friday I'm sitting in an airport in California and I get a call from my work and they say we have an emergency situation we need you to go over there and take care of this and I had to say no because I have responsibilities back here A I had my anniversary I missed that and I'm dead I tell you you miss your anniversary it's just all over for you so I, I, I had to say no to that but number two, I'm a pastor and I needed to get home and I needed to put the kingdom first, amen? And I needed to stand for something and though it may take, uh, I may take a hit where I work at, I want you to know that the kingdom of God is honored today because I stand here preaching the message that God will keep you. You can stay standing. God will honor you if you will honor him and put the kingdom first. How many jobs have I left because I had to stand for the kingdom? But I'm here today as a man humbly telling you, I don't have have it all together. I'm thankful for the grace of God, but I still have put the kingdom first, and I've stood first for the kingdom my entire life, and I will continue to stand that way. And that may seem like a personal story, but I hope you can relate. If you look back over your life at the times you stood for God, He will stand for you. He will stand for you. He'll take up your cause and he'll fight your fight for you. And that is the position of scripture. It does not say that we have to advance. It does not say we have to be good at fighting. It does not say we have to be the ones who take the charge and lead out. It says we are to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to fight, be able to advance. No, be able to stand, therefore, in the days of trouble and trial. The Bible literally says your responsibility is to hold your ground. To hang on to what you know in God. To not let this world pull your faith out of your heart. 
Do not let the situations of life and the struggles of our age take you to a point where you don't believe that there's a Savior coming back. There's a church that is triumphant and there's a power in God worth living for and first and worth being first in your life. I hope my children find me doing something excellent. I really do. But above all they ever see me do, I hope they find me putting God first in my life. I hope they find me praying and seeking God. The most exhausting thing you can do is try to live for God without a prayer life. Can I get some help from a few of you guys? I kind of pointed you out earlier. Reese, could you help me? I appreciate you. Go stand right down here. If you'd stand along the edge of the platform, this is just a, you know me, I like to do little illustrations. <laughs> if I drive you crazy with illustrations, you'll just have to pray about it. I want to help your prayer life. All right, if you guys would just stand there and make sure they're turned right. I don't know if I handed them to you properly. These are things that the enemy will attack in your life. All of these different things, your courage, your faith, even the spirit of this age will attack. It's the strength that you have to live for God, the love you have for God, the hope you have in God, all those things get attacked. And so what happens is if you don't have a prayer life, you actually have to prop these up in your life. How many know when you have to prop something up, it's not a good thing? If it won't stand on its own, it's not worthy of standing, amen? So you guys can go ahead and uh, do what I said you can do. Yes, yeah, see, look. So what happens is you go over here, and one of the most important things is your faith. So you're like, no, 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 no. And you, you got to stay up. you got to be strong in the Lord. you gotta be, you got to stay faithful to God. And you start propping up your faith because you don't want your faith. Now, and then you realize you don't have any courage. So you begin to start to help your courage, and you get some scriptures out. You get something out, and you're, trying, and you're doing this without prayer. You do, you're just walking through your spiritual life trying to encourage it. No, I need some more strength. I need strength in God. I, and you're propping up everything in your life trying to, I, I need to love God more. I don't have strong enough love for God. Why, why am I struggling in my love for God? Because now I'm struggling in my, in my hope. I don't hope in the Lord. And look what's happening. Now I've got to go back over here because all of a sudden my courage is falling down and my faith is falling down. And guess what? Now I'm... Do you see how exhausting this is? If I try to live for God in my own strength and in my own abilities, I can't keep all these things standing in my life whenever I'm trying to do it on my own strength. But if I'll take a knee and I'll begin to pray, and I began to pray and I began to seek God and I began to ask God to help me and give me strength and make sure that my faith is strong and make sure that I have great strength and courage. I love what David said in Psalms 27 and 1 that when I get strength from God, I'll have courage as well. And then when I get up from my knee praying and I decide I'm going to stand, the only way I can stand is if I take a knee, amen? The only way I can stand is if I'm doing it on my knees and I look around and look, my hope is strong, my strength is strong. My loving God is standing. My faith is standing strong, which I have to have. And my courage, I'm courageous in God. All of these things, these things stand up in your life when you have a prayer life. But when you don't, you have to fight to keep them alive. You have to fight to keep them standing. Give these guys a big hand, amen. Thank you, gentlemen, for your help. What an encouragement to know that I don't have to try to make my faith strong if I just keep praying and seeking God, if I will just lift my voice toward heaven. Scripture has so many places where it talks about prayer. Just listen as I run through a couple of them. Jeremiah 29 and 12, God listens to your prayers. 1 John 5, 14, we can be confident in approaching God. 
in 1 John 5:15, we have what we ask for in God if we pray. Amen. Someone say prayer. First Chronicles 16 11, seek his face and strength. Amen. We can do that in First Chronicles 16 and 11. It gives us permissions. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says that our eyes will be open to the riches and the power of God if we pray. Ephesians, that's Ephesians 6 and 18. James 5 and 13 says, if, you're, if you have any trouble, let, let those people pray and God will hear. If you're in trouble, you can pray and God will hear you. Matthew 5, 44, it says, pray for your enemies. That's a strange thought. Praying for your enemies. Why? Because the battle's not yours anyways. The battle's not yours anyways. So if you don't pray for your enemies, you are actually telling the spiritual world that it is your battle. It is your fight. But when you begin to pray for your enemies, you tell the spiritual world, it's not my fight. It's not my battle. The only thing I should do right now with the enemies facing me is pray for them because I know that the fight is the Lord's. Amen, somebody. Matthew 5:44 says that Mark 11:24 says that we can pray and believe and you shall receive what you ask Matthew 26:41 pray that you will not fall into temptation how many have ever struggled with temptation i know that there's temptations that have taken all man scripture says but the bible says that the answer to your temptations is prayer that you handle temptation not by being strong enough to resist it not by saying, I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to click on that site. I'm not going to do these things. Prayer is the answer to your temptation. It gives you strength. It props up and stands up the things in your life that handle and fight against those other things. Psalms 102.17 says that we respond, that he responds to the prayers of the destitute. I'm thankful that I know that whenever someone is destitute and I don't know how to help them, that I can teach them how to pray and God will hear their voice. That is a powerful answer to someone that doesn't have anything or any way to, any possible way out of their situation. Romans 12, 12, joy is full and your hope is full and you're patient and in patience you can go through affliction if you learn how to pray. In other words, the Bible says your joy is full in hope and you will have patience for afflictions if you continue to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. The Bible says that pray that you faint not in other words you will faint if you don't pray in reverse those are all the places where scripture tells us to pray and in first timothy paul admonished timothy he said i would that men would pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath or without doubting those are the two things that men always deal with we deal with anger problems temp temper and we deal with doubting not having enough faith, amen? So Paul said, these are the things that men fight, and the way that you fight them best is through prayer. Anybody believe the word of God? Anybody happy that we can go to God and he hears us? I, I say it so often, it almost gets, it gets old, but prayer is an eternal thing that we can do that are, are temporal people. We can pray a prayer right now, and it becomes eternal. It goes before the throne of heaven, and it stays there forever. In other words, I'm preaching under the strength of my grandmother's prayers. I'm preaching and doing things in my life right now. I can say, well, I prayed for this, but so did somebody else in my life. So did my mother. She prayed for me. She would, she would be in a back room, and we'd be going to sleep, and I'd hear my mother sobbing from another 
another room emptying a box of Kleenex. And I didn't know what was wrong with her. And I would tap on the door and say, Mom, you okay? She said, yeah, honey, I'm just praying for you guys. I'm, I'm just praying. Don't worry. Go back to bed. And it was somewhat disheartening to my little child heart because I didn't know why she would need to cry. But later on in life, I found out there's some things that only you can take to God. There's some things you can't handle on your own. I remember that when John the Baptist was beheaded, the disciples of John went and took John's body and went and buried it. And the Bible says that they went and they told Jesus because there are some things that happen in life you cannot tell anybody about, but you can go and tell Jesus. You can go and talk to Jesus. You can take it to the Lord in prayer. Thank God we can stay standing because we kneel and talk to the Lord in prayer. Amen, someone. So today, I want you to know that I'm not here on my own strength. I was able to stay doing the purpose and the mission of God for my life because I was standing in prayer. I was standing in prayer. Remember a story of a man who was giving a speech at a commencement of college, and he said that he got the greatest moment of, wisdoms, uh, of wisdom and the greatest words of wisdom from his father, who was a dro third grade dropout. He said he got wisdom from a dropout. He said, that's the greatest oxymoron you'd ever experience. Oxymorons are two words that don't go together. Wisdom and dropout shouldn't go together. It's kind of like country music. Oh, if, if I have offended somebody that likes country music, I'm sorry. It's kind of like free will offering. Those two don't really go together. No, I'm just kidding. Jumbo shrimp. Have you ever heard of that? Those just don't fit together very well. Jumbo shrimp. Well, third grade dropout and wisdom shouldn't go together either. But it does because this man had a walk with God and he learned his word and he learned wisdom from God. Amen. So when his son, sons, one became a judge and the other one has four major doctorate degrees because he... He, he, every day he got up and he went and he did his job and he, he told his, his wife, she said, why do you leave the house early in the morning sometimes and, and go and, and seek God or go and pray? And, and he said, because of the chance that my sons might catch me doing something excellent, because of the, the possibility. And so the story goes that he lived his life and he found a beautiful wife and, and she unfortunately became um, sick and ill and she got breast cancer and two years later he took his two boys and he walked them to the casket and he was going to be looking at his wife for the last time and, and this, this guy that was giving the commencement speech said he didn't know what wisdom his dad would have for him. He didn't know what his dad would say but his dad was in line right in front of him and he said and he was saying goodbye to his daughter as well because life is hard and life is difficult and he said it wasn't his daughter-in-law it was his daughter. He loved her that much and when he stood at the casket he turned around to his son and he said two words. He said three words. He said just stay standing. He said, when life throws you curveballs and when things don't go right and when you have to put people in the ground that you love and when things just, just shouldn't happen but they did happen, he said, the thing that you must learn to do is you must learn to stay standing through it all. I don't know what your situation is and I don't know what trials you have walked through in life, but I come to this pulpit today to tell you that your job and your mission in life will be accomplished and you will find 
God's plan for your life regardless of anything you go through if you'll learn to just stay standing. I promise you that that life is not easy. There are curveballs that get thrown at us. We get an Easter egg from time to time, a surprise we did not expect. But I want you to know that through God and through faith and through prayer, you can have a life that is strong and secure in him because you live for the Lord. Amen. Let's do that together. Can we give God an ovation for helping us stand in difficult times? Stand in difficult times. Reese, could you read for us Ephesians 6? I want to end with this today. But I know that when we're talking about standing, if Jesse can have them all stand for an earthly king to be anointed, I think we should stand for our King of Kings and Lord of Lords who's working in our life. Amen? Amen. Read for me, if you would, Ephesians 6. Yeah, you can start at verse 1. Go there with us if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nature and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respective persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Mm -hmm. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Stop just there. You are not fighting people. You are not fighting somebody else. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, sp- and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, this is a faith fight, not just a person against you, not just someone on your job or maybe a relationship that's not going well and has a lot of friction. If you take that to the Lord in prayer, you'd be surprised at how God will move things out of the way for you and open a door of ease and walk that you can walk through and that relationships can be repaired through prayer. Amen? Amen. You'll get there. I have a saying. You'll get there through prayer that's my saying I live my entire life on it I can get there through prayer that's my relationship with God I know that it works because I've used it so many times look at Shadrach Meshach and Abednego you guys know the story we sang about it stand in the fire today you guys were celebrating and worshiping over that I want you to know that there was three Hebrew boys they didn't just get upset about the fact that there was a nation going toward heathenism they didn't get upset about the fact that there was a king that built an idol that said when we play music to this this tall statue you are to bow down 
down and worship me. They just said, no, we only worship one true king and I'm going to stand for him. Even if no one else is willing to stand, I'm going to stand for the Lord, my God. And so they did. And the king said, okay, we'll see how well you stand in a furnace of fire. In fact, heat that furnace up a bunch of times. I don't remember, three times, four times, however many times it was. It doesn't matter. It would have toasted you, okay? You would have been a crispy critter. doesn't matter what, how hot it was. They threw them into the fire and guess what? Jesus didn't show up as I would have had him show up before the fire showed up as they were standing out in the congregation of all the people kneeling. Have Jesus show up next to him like, yep, these are my boys. That's right. They're standing. No, he didn't do that. He waited until they got into the struggle. They, they got into the fire. But then when the king looked in, he said, didn't we throw three in there? And yeah, we did throw three in there. He goes, well, then why do I see a fourth man standing in the fire? It was Jesus represented in the fire with them. And I want you to know that when you get into struggles and you, when you get into trials, that God may not show up when you think he should, but he always shows up at the perfect time to give him the most glory and the most honor in the entire nation. Began to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they went through the fire right and the promise may not be the same for you that you're that God's going to show up before you go through the struggle but I promise whatever you have to go through Jesus will show up in that thing and not only will he show up in that thing but like they did when they came out of the fire their garments didn't smell like fire they didn't smell like smoke in other words everything they went through did not change who they were or affect them so I want you to know that even if God does not show up when you feel like he should someone help me preach right here that when he does show up it will not only give him the most glory but it will not change you or affect you in a way that stays with you amen somebody in other words God will show up and preserve you even through it all I'm thankful for the cross that stands behind me I'm thankful that I know that I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I'm thankful that I know armor that I can put on, amen, so that I can stand. So the scripture says, read on if you would, we're almost done. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the, the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Amen. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching unto, thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Thank you, that's good enough. I appreciate that. Let's give Reese a big hand for helping us out today. Isn't it interesting that character is invisible till you take a stand? Have you ever noticed that? You don't even know what a person's like till you see what they stand for. And then you're like, hmm, that's, and you, they come up in your eyes, you know, they like, wow. You stand for what's right and you stand for what's good and you, you stand for what's appropriate and proper. And I want you to know that Jesus stood for you. Of all the times and of all the places that Jesus could have chose to walk on the earth, why did he choose the time that he did? 
Have you ever thought about that? That he could have been sacrificed as the perfect lamb in any way, shape, or form, no matter what the culture, no matter what the, the society was. He could have come and died for us. But he chose to be sacrificed and he chose to go to a cross where when he breathed his last breath, he was standing. You ever notice that? That he took a stand for us even when we couldn't stand for ourselves. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wonder if Jesus didn't pull himself up on the cross one last time and say, I chose to stand and die for you because I take a stand for somebody who can't stand for themselves, for every unborn baby, for every person who hasn't got a voice, for every individual that doesn't know God until they come across the word from somewhere or maybe they open in a hospital room a, a, a scripture that's left there or they're in a hotel dis, despondent and they, they reach over into a shelf and get out a Gideon Bible and just try to find God through it somewhere some way they find out that Jesus took a stand for them and he did it on a cross as a substitute sacrifice for me and for you and that ought to move your heart that ought to change your life that ought to make you want to stand for God with all that's in you that make that ought to make you want to do everything you can for the world to know the gospel that Paul was talking about that he was given an utterance to share there ought to be something that rises up in us and says, I will stand for him because he stood and died for me. Would you stand with me today? It's appropriate that we stand at the end of this sermon. Amen. Ephesians 6 is just a place that scripture tells us that we need to put on the helmet of salvation so we can think right. The breastplate of righteousness so we can have our emotions and our heart right. Feet shod with the preparation of peace so we can walk right the shield of faith so that we can live right. There's just so many great things there, but he says you're putting all of that on so you can take a stand for me. Would you bow your heads with me today, Jesus? I don't know who's here and I don't know what the situations are that they're going through. I appreciate all the friends and the people that I know and I know some situations in this room and I know some that really need you to step in right now, Jesus. But as we pray and as as we seek your face for just a moment, I'm asking God that he would allow us to understand that you stand for us even when we can't stand, but there's so much more power when we stand for you when others won't. I pray right now for strength, for someone who has been running through their life, propping up their faith and propping up their courage and propping up their strength and their hope and their love in you. I pray they would just kneel at an altar today and say, God, Maybe I haven't got this figured out. Maybe it's not in my control. Maybe it really was in your control all along. Maybe I just need a moment of surrender. Today I surrender my heart and my life to you. Today I ask you, Jesus, that you would be my God and that I would stop trying to control everything with my own outcomes, with my own bank account, with my own abilities but I would surrender to you all of my life. Maybe somewhere in this room, someone would make that decision today. And I pray that it happens because we don't have tomorrow promised to us. We don't have the next day promised to us. We need an urgency about surrendering to God. And so I open this altar today for prayer. Anyone that wants to pray and 
And I ask you, would you come take a stand on your knees? Would you, if you could, if it's physically possible for you, would you be willing to come and pray? I don't know if they have a song that fits what I've preached, but I believe that there's somebody with a, with a resonance in their heart right now. They're like, I, I, I want to stand for the one who stood and died for me. I want to be the one who kneels until all the things that are proper in my life stand up. I want to be the one. I don't want to be that person that thinks they have it all right and they really never got it right. I want to be the person who says, Lord, if I don't have it all right, would you show me? Lord, if, I don't, if I'm not fully in the way that you want me to walk, would you, would you show me? Because I, I truly cannot stand the pressures and the, and the callings of life without your help, Jesus. And I kneel before you today. Find a place to pray, would you? In Jesus' precious name.